Welcome to Diggin' the Dharma, where we dig into the Buddhist Dharma and explore ways to bring these 2,500-year-old teachings into our lives. I'm Doug Smith of Doug's Dharma on YouTube and the online Dharma Institute. And I'm John Aaron, teacher at New York Insight, founding teacher of Space to Meditate, a mindfulness-based stress reduction teacher and trainer. Greetings, Doug. How you doing today? I'm doing all right, John. How about you? Just fine. Another, another rainy day here. Yeah, exactly. It's not as bad as it is in California right now, that's for sure. Ooh, yeah. So they're sure. getting really swamped. Hopefully by the horrible. time this, this podcast is out, things will be better in California. I hope so. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway. What was the our fetters. topic today? Fetters. The fetters. The ten, well, we'll talk about the t- ten fetters. Uh, we'll probably focus, I think, my guess is we'll focus on the first five lower fetters because the there's a you know, the, the higher fetters, I think, are less pertinent to most of our audience, is my guess, unless we're talking to some really advanced practitioners here, which if we are, then wow, congratulations. <laughs> well, I mean, maybe we should start from the beginning and, sure. and even you know, speak about what a fetter is. I mean, it Indeed. sounds pretty obvious what a fetter is, but mm-hmm. I mean, in, in this context, what are we talking about? Well, um, they're, they're, yeah, they're habits, uh, approaches of mind that keep us fettered or attached a fetter is a is a bond or attachment mm-hmm. uh, a fet- keep us attached to samsara to to pain to suffering to dukkha is another way of putting it uh so these are sort of habits or features of mind that we have to work on or should work on if we want to make our lives better consider about so yeah. that's part and part of uh the buddha's teaching was talking about these fetters and you know, various things we can do to undo the fetters in one way or another. So yeah, and and it's you know, the, it's uh, I think fetters are the first things we come come in, we run into mm-hmm. <laughs> the moment we start to actually practice and meditate. Exactly. And we, it's the first thing we see, mm-hmm. and 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 you know, our our challenges. We think that seeing them is. In, in seeing them, we think, oh, no, you know, I'll never get through this. But it's actually in the seeing of them <laughs> that we have a chance to be free of them. Mm-hmm. It helps to be aware of them, yeah. Yeah, and, and ease the fetters. Yeah, so maybe we should kind of lay out at least what the first five are. So, Yeah, yeah. Well, there's sort of, uh, in traditional Buddhist understanding, uh, which may stem from the early tradition, it seems to stem from the early tradition, there's some debate about how how early this is. But in any event, uh, the first three are said to be the sort of the lowest of the low fetters that are given <laughs> up as we reach what's known as stream entry, uh, which the first three are doubt, uh, which is sort of doubt about the Dharma, about the path, about what we're doing. Mm-hmm. Uh, second, or one of the other ones is a personality, so so-called personality view, or this view that there is a permanent, everlasting, unchanging self at the center of everything. Uh, the third is attachment to. Uh, there's a ways of different ways of of translating it, but basically attachment to rules and rituals, or uh, in other words. Uh, attachment to this idea that simply by behaving in a certain way, we can become enlightened. Simply by following a certain rule 
or performing a certain ritual, we can become enlightened. And so those are the first three. Then the the those are again those are sort of lower, uh, the lowest of the low fetters. And then there's a couple <laughs> other ones. They're sort of in the middle that are ill will and sense desire, hmm. which uh, are a little higher up on that scale and and not the sort of things that we overcome so easily. Uh, and I think, I mean, having said them, I think it's pretty clear that they're pretty advanced. <laughs> yeah, and what's interesting, of course, is that you'll, you, for those of you who have been listening to us for a while, you know, there we did a show many months ago called uh, On the Hindrances, actually. Right. And three of the things you just named are, are also the hindrances, the doubt sure. and the mm-hmm. ill will and the sense desire. And so, you know, we're our practice is one of, of seeing that, and, and doubt, I think, is is like it's amazing to me. It's the first one because you know it's like I would think it would have been the fourth or fifth, just in terms of you know because it continually comes back when you're dealing with the others, right? It's like oh right. God, I'm not, I'm this isn't going well. I'm not doing this right. These you know whatever that instruction was, it's just not working. Whatever the Buddha said, you know, I just don't <laughs> think you know. So it's it's um right it's this place of just i i think a a a good for me anyway a good um counterbalance to doubt is faith mm. you know confidence, confidence that, uh, yeah. actually yeah there is there is something here you know i can i can i can trust this yeah now i mean i will say in the in the sort of I said them in the order of doubt and identity view, I think, but I yeah, think yeah. in the act, in at least one of the suttas that I, I ran across, uh, identity view was first and doubt was second, which to me is is equally baffling. I mean, they're they're both very. I mean, identity view is a is a pretty uh, big deal to sort of overcome. Although, arguably, these first three fetters are somewhat intellectual in their. At least we can understand them in an intellectual sense. Right. Identity view is is a is a view, a particular opinion about the self. Higher up in the higher fetters, there's uh, conceit, which is a much subtler form of the same thing. Yeah. yeah. Uh, that we yeah. really. So, in other words, we can overcome identity view and still have this residual conceit when conceit is is a comparing mind this idea of you know comparing ourselves to others thinking that we're better or worse or the same um and you might think oh well if i get rid of identity view then i have no conceit because i have no sense of self or whatever i mean some in some sense right. but that's not true and, <laughs> until until you you see somebody else and say oh i i've lost my identity uh, view yeah and, i'm 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 much further <laughs> along you know cuz i have no identity view and it's like yeah, mm, you might want to check that out, yeah. right? So it's like we have the view of being the one free of identity view, exactly. and you know, and 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 this really has to do, of course, with right view and the first the first um, uh, of the eightfold path. You know, just like recognizing that okay, this self which I'm I have conceived of this whole part of you know for the first part of my life or whatever until until now, I realize this self is just an illusion of some sort, right? And I'm attached to that illusion as being who I am. Mm -hmm. So it's easy to say, it's easy to, as you say, understand, perhaps, (laughs) for some of us, right? It's easy, you know, and and yet there's still something there that we're holding on to as me. And and on one level, we have to hold on to it as me because we have to get through the day as me, right? 
but there's also a recognition that 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 and and at first it's just a cognitive recognition <laughs> that this thing which I'm calling me is you know constantly changing and and as we recognize that then we kind of loosen around that uh fetter <laughs> right the fetter gets loosened mm-hmm. right and at some point it's actually vanquished right um at least for a few minutes. Right. right. And it's fr- it's vanquished as a view. In other words, we begin to, un- we understand that the view is right. incorrect. We understand that the view is just, it's a, it's a convenient fiction that we make use of. And we can hold right. to that. And under, in other words, we can get beyond that first fetter and still have the conceit and the ill will and the, you know, the things that we might think are ego-directed, indeed are ego-directed, because there's still this residual sense of ego. There's a there's a, an early sutta where, I've forgotten the guy's name, uh, one of the monks is an older monk, and he, he's, he's saying that he still has the sense of self, and they're saying, well, but do you think that yourself is you know, your aggregate, you know, do you think that yourself is your body? Do you think yourself is your right. consciousness? And he keeps saying, no, 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 no. I don't think that myself is any of these things. In other words, I've overcome identity view. It's just that there's this residual sense of self. He says it's sort of like a perfume in a flower that sort of persists mm-hmm. and that you have to sort of overcome through practice. And I think that's a very deep realization and he's of course in the sutta once he said this then everybody becomes enlightened so it's very, <laughs> right right as you might expect but but um i think there's you know that's i think that's one of the ways of understanding this difference is you know such a great image you know it's just this like the fragrance of a flower right you know that's that's the because it depends on the flower some of them have very strong fragrances and so you're going to be attached to that yeah and and aversion and sense desire you know, are continually drawing us back. You know, it's like, I mean, that, that that's why the word fetter is so wonderful in that sense, because yeah. it's like, uh, yeah, I mean, you know, we all, sorry, I, I don't know, I can't speak for anybody else. I can just say that for me, you know, sense desire is a really strong one. And I mean, it comes up as a hindrance all the time. And I recognize it, I know it, you know, and I know that is, I know that it is lashing me to samsara, for for lack of a better word, and fettering me to samsara. You know, you can feel it when it's happening, you know, Mm -hmm. because you know, even when you fulfill that sense desire, it's not going to be true happiness. It's not going to be true tranquility. It's not, you know, it's just because you're, you're just so stuck. Mm -hmm. So these, these, the, the stickiness of fetters is, is very real. And, you know, as we see it, it's like, wow. So I, I think the trick or the trick is the wrong word. The, you know, the, the practice is to see the fetter, feel what it's like when the fetter is gone momentarily and keep practicing with that. So mm-hmm. it's like, you know, we feel the desire. We feel the sense desire. We can experience the sense desire as a kind of reaching out, or we can experience the aversion as a pushing away. How is it really experienced? Mm-hmm. You know, somatically. And then, you know, okay, sit with it and see what happens when you don't actually, you know, go after the desire or or get rid of the you know, get rid of whatever it is you're having aversion for. What happens then? 
does it ease? Does it change? Sometimes it gets um, more intense if you. <laughs> yeah, it might. It might. Yeah. It might. You know, it's like, oh, okay. So it's you know, and then, and then you can you stay with the intensity, mm -hmm. you know, and, and really see where it goes. It's hard, but this is this is practice, and and on retreat, you know, when you've really did, you know, you where you've taken serious renunciation, you know, and you can't just go out and fulfill every sense desire, then you really feel it. And the other thing is that to, to be aware of that, you know, what is that feeling like? Is it a pleasant feeling or is it an unpleasant feeling? And right. at least speaking for myself, it's an unpleasant feeling. And then you compare that to the time when you don't have sense desire or when you don't have ill, uh, Ill will or anger or whatever. And you see the, the peace that's involved when, when these things aren't present. The, the peace of sort of not being in the direct grip of that fetter yeah, uh, and you yeah. compare that to the you know the experience of being caught in these desires or experiences of ill will or whatever right and and then the other part of the practice and we touched on this a number of times right this recollecting <laughs> mm. recollecting what whatever it is that you're desiring or whatever it is that you're having aversion for is also impermanent <laughs> you know and will change yeah and as will the desire. This also helps to cultivate a, a, a sense of patience because you can sort of just wait and see what happens to that, that reaching out or pushing away. You know, we can really feel it, but if we just sort of wait and see that it can ease, <laughs> then, you know, then we're making progress. The other aspect of this, which is, you know, in, in the, the word that's used in the suttas is, or that's translated in the suttas is nutriments. Like, what do we, what can we take in? What can we bring to the practice? Uh, I mean, certain things, certain nutriments strengthen the fetters, right? Other nutriments can actually weaken the fetters. So obviously, you know, if, if, a fetter is sense desire. The more we, the more we let ourselves be bombarded by sense senses, we, the more we self, the more we let our senses be bombarded by external phenomena that's continually attracting us in some way or another. You know, that's obviously an, an unhelpful nutriment. You know, and and then the more we bring in compassion and kindness as a more positive nutriment, then that allows us to be with the discomfort of the, the fetter and actually helps to weaken the fetter. Mm -hmm. um, and also, as you were talking about renunciation as well, renunciation yeah. can be helpful. I would say an understanding of the benefits of renunciation. Mm -hmm. um, I mean, if we force ourselves to be renunciants, it, can't, it doesn't necessarily work very well. But right. <laughs> uh, we begin, uh, if we, let's say, uh, we discussed on a, another podcast, uh, if we look at our meditation practices as, as, an, as a time of renunciation, which is pleasant, mm -hmm. and begin, mm -hmm. we, we start to associate pleasantness with right. renunciation and understand the pleasant aspects of renunciation. Yeah, uh, or the yeah. pleasant aspects of generosity, which is another as another you know getting rid of something or you know giving away something. 
that these can be ways of undoing some of the fetters of, of you know, greed for sense desire. And, you know. Yeah, I just lost what I was going to say. That happens. <laughs> um, having to do with with senses. Oh, well, it's gone. It'll come back later. No worries. Um, this happens. <laughs> um, yeah, so these, the, oh, I know what it was. It was, it's like, you know, the uh, people take, say, of, you know, they make a decision to be vegetarian, you know, so they're going to renounce meat, right? And then we now have, uh, what do they call it? I forget what one of the brand names is, you know. Beyond these, meat these or something? Beyond, yeah, beyond beyond meat or something like that, right? So it's it has the flavor and this the 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 smell of, of meat, right? But it's not meat. Well you still <laughs> so you've renounced the actual meat. Right. But there's still the desire for the flavor and the you know so you're you're not completely free at that moment, right? You're still there's this there's a certain you can you can take some pleasure in the fact that you're no longer theoretically harming creatures, right? By not eating meat, but you still have the desire for the meat. <laughs> and the desire is somewhat fulfilled through the flavor and the smell of the beyond meat. And so what have you released really in that moment? And so these are just places, I, I think what's really interesting about this is it's not, and, and, you know, it's important to recognize that this is not about judging ourselves for this. It's just, it's recognizing how powerful these fetters are. And, and yet having the experience, at least momentarily, of having the fetter released. Yeah, I mean, it's not about um, judgment at, at all. It's about yeah. uh, releasing suffering, really, in ourselves. Um, yeah. And people around us and, being and seeing around. and seeing the cause of the suffering. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And in in the seeing is where things get changed. Yeah. As we've talked about many times. So, yeah. So we we but just that word fetter has such a strong meaning, mm -hmm. a strong feeling. I mean, it's just oh yeah, I'm stuck. Yeah. Oh, this is really holding me. Um, yeah, and I think I mean you know the Buddha when he first uh, attained enlightenment, it said that he you know he resisted teaching because he felt that it would uh, he said I mean at least this is the story he he felt that um, it would be very difficult to teach most people because they were not really ready to hear his message because of the you know we might say because of the strength of these fetters um, and I think if we look around us and speak to a lot of people nowadays we'll find. A lot of resistance to these ideas, uh, you know, because people are so fettered to them that they, and, and you know, I, I don't, I, I certainly don't uh, exclude myself from that. I mean, I'm, yeah, not, yeah. A, I'm not a monastic. Um, <laughs> yeah. But um, at least I hope that I'm aware of the issues, uh, even if I'm not quite there, you know, I'm still fettered to a lot of these things. Um, sure. Yeah. So something to keep in mind and, and not, and not, yeah, not beat yourself up over, over them. We can imagine what it's like to become a monastic those first few years of, at least of being a monastic and, and having given up so much mm. in that process, you know, it's gotta be very challenging. Um, I mean, not for everybody, but certainly for many people who make those choices in a way you, you, I'm sure at first it feels like you're fettered 
seriously, mm-hmm. you know, because you're sort of resisting all of these things, you know, that before you didn't need to resist or before you didn't have a inclination to let it, you know, to let, to let go of a sense desire or to stop pushing away that which you don't like. And then when you become, when you, when you make that decision to really work with this, then there's a whole other feeling of, of fetteredness, but in a way it's a, a positive, you know, and temporary fetteredness, for lack of a better word. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, it's a big, it's an important part of practice is to see these things as they are mm-hmm. and, and recognize think- that we can change. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. No, and I, I was going to say that I think also it's important to 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 focus on this idea of being attached to uh, rules and rituals or rites and rituals. Uh, yeah, I forgot about that. <laughs> yes. Yeah, this this idea that um, you know that only if we only behaved a certain way, if we only you know didn't do this or did that a lot, that somehow you know we would become enlightened, uh, that we would <laughs> you know escape suffering by you know only being a good boy kind of thing. Uh, that's, you know, that's something you have to overcome. And uh, of course they say, oh, this is one of the early, you know, sort of lower fetters, but it seems to me, uh, I don't know, maybe I, I'm, I guess I'm just <laughs> well, I mean, back in the low fetters myself. But. Yeah. Uh, I, I think that it's just the notion that, oh, if I, all I need to do is follow the precepts and I'll, that's I'll another, be, yeah. you know, I'll be okay. I'll, I'll be free. Well, right. yes. And, <laughs> Mm-hmm. But the rites and ritual, I mean, the rituals, whether it's devotional practice or chanting or whatever, I mean, you know, these are these are all supportive. It's letting go of the idea that those will actually bring you freedom. Mm-hmm. All of these things are supportive. There's nothing wrong with them. Yeah. Uh, the Buddha is yeah. certainly not saying that there's anything wrong with with rites and rituals or rules and rituals, whatever they're however it's translated it's rather that you have to not cling to them it's it's like right. it's like any, yeah. it's like views i mean you know views beliefs opinions are can, can be very useful but you know if we start clinging to the views uh, then we get in trouble then we get in trouble right yeah we recognize ourselves but we don't cling to ourselves mm. we know our sense desires but we don't get attached to our sense desires we know those things that, you know, we have aversion toward, but we don't get stuck on those, mm-hmm. you know, and, and just, or we see how we get stuck on them and then we sort of ease up on that. So these, you know, this is all part of practice. Mm-hmm. And I think, you know, when we get into the higher fetters in another podcast, then we'll sort of. If we have, if we do another podcast on the higher fetters, now the higher fetters are a little bit more esoteric because they're more about attachment to higher states of meditative attainment and stuff like that which i mean we could get into them in a few future podcast but yeah yeah um, not now yeah they're a little bit (laughs) yeah yeah but but you know you can see the results of some of those i mean you know people really do get attached to particular meditative experiences and think that those meditative experiences are in fact enlightenment (laughs) you know uh just as an example or you know they get the the, the the all the conceit comes up you know I've attained this and you know right. you haven't so. <laughs> yeah exactly and you know we it's it's so interesting just briefly because we we start to see how the comparing mind 
which is just another form of view, right? It's like, oh, this this person looks like they're doing really, they really have achieved something over there next to me, you know, on the across the meditation space, <laughs> you know. But A, we don't know, and B, yes, and, you know, it's like, and so, <laughs> you know, this is just a view we have of that other person comparing right. to ourselves. So, can we let go of the comparing mind, mm -hmm. you know, which is just another form of view. So, the you know, these, yeah, there's there's a lot to talk about here. Mm -hmm. But, you know, for now, we we leave it for you to just work on those first four. <laughs> well, doubt five, and, yeah. We're five, five, doubt, rites and rituals, yeah. sense, desire, aversion. And, and, uh, and yeah. identity view, identity view. So, yeah, yeah. So, uh, you know, that'll get you started. Yeah, um, that's, that's a good way to start. <laughs> keep now, us I mean, going. Traditionally, it's said that, uh, you know, doubt is overcome by sort of a flash of awareness, the, the eye of... The Dharma eye, sort of, you know, uh, in a lot of the early texts that's mentioned. Whether that's really the way it happens, always, I don't know. Uh, you know, sort of well, a flash I can see of having... you see You see enlightenment for a moment, and right. that overcomes all of your doubts that it's possible to attain enlightenment. Or at least, I suspect that you see how you're attached to self-view, mm -hmm. personality view. You see right. that, and you realize, oh, oh. <laughs> mm-hmm. And, and and then, you know, the doubt can be eased. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, that makes sense. Yeah. So, the, I think the wisdom is, is not necessarily of enlightenment, but just the wisdom of impermanence, the, you know, seeing, seeing the nature of impermanence, seeing the nature of, of uh, self. Yeah. Um, and seeing the, the dukkha involved in all of these, in right. all of these various fetters, I think, is, is something that is ongoing. And helps wear them down. You see yeah. that these things are not good, you know, and you thought they were, really. I mean, maybe some point in your life you thought, but you begin to see the problems with them. And good. one thing that uh, that we're unfortunately very fettered to is, is, is coffee. Oh, gosh, yeah. It's really terrible. It is. <laughs> Although uh, coffee is a health, health food. It, it's healthy, it's good, yeah. You know, it yeah, wakes yeah, you up yeah. and supposed to have certain health benefits or tea which yeah. is very similar we could talk about yeah yeah, yeah. Tea. But, uh, although i'm yeah, a coffee drinker help. more than a tea drinker but. yeah likewise and and so you know you have the opportunity to buy us a coffee it's a way of supporting this show you can do it through our website digginthedharma.com where you can also leave comments and subscribe uh, subscribe. subscribe to become a member we yeah. actually have to have some members on the show in the next few weeks we have to we do make that work so yeah check it out uh, you can also see all the past podcasts that you might have missed. Yeah, and so we uh, hope to see you soon. But thanks for being with us now, and uh, good luck with the fetters. <laughs> <laughs> Unfetter yourself. <laughs> Unfetter yourself, exactly. Okay. All right, Doug, see you next time. Yep, great to talk with you. Be well. Thanks for listening. If you enjoyed this podcast, please leave a comment on your local podcast directory. And check us out at digginthedharma.com where you can send us comments and even buy us a cup of coffee or two. Check Doug out at dougsdharma.com and john at johnaaron.net. Thanks again and see you next time.